Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, right here on your community radio station. We're Forward Radio WFMP Louisville, broadcasting to you from the historic Hayburn Building here at 106.5 FM. We also live stream anywhere you are in the world. You can catch us at forwardradio.org and also find podcast versions of all of our local programs archived there. And while you're there, hey, click participate, get involved. We'd love to get your perspective and your voice behind these microphones. This is People Powered Radio. You could get a free megaphone to the whole community by coming and joining us here at Forward Radio, either doing a one-time access hour or a weekly program. We'd love to have you. And we also rely entirely on listener contributions to keep us on the air. So click donate while you're there at forwardradio.org. Well, what we do each week here on Sustainability Now is bring in folks from around the community to talk about what's going on in sustainability here locally. And I'm really excited to get my hands dirty again with the topic of urban agriculture, my favorite one. And it has been a while since I've talked about it on the program. And with me in the studio are a couple friends from Common Earth Gardens, which is a project of Catholic Charities of Louisville. I've got in the studio with me Jane Evans, who is their program director. Welcome, Jane. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. And Amelia Balin is here, Urban Agriculture Sustainability Coordinator for the Common Earth Gardens. Welcome. Happy to be here, too. Yay, yay. I know we've been talking about getting you on for a while. This is so exciting because you all have a new project coming up that we want to talk about because there's a great opportunity for our listeners to get involved with these pollinator gardens. But before we dive into all those details, let's just set the scene here a little bit and talk about what is Common Earth Gardens? I, th- I used to know it as RAP, right? The Refugee Agriculture Partnership Program. But tell our listeners about Common Earth Gardens. Yeah. So as you said, it's a program of Catholic Charities of Louisville. It was started as the RAP program in 2007, which is the Refugee Agriculture Partnership Program, which is federal funding from the Office for Refugee Resettlement. We had funding through them through 2014, and then we lost the RAP grant. I see. Uh, That makes sense. Okay. But it was always under Catholic Charities? It was always under Catholic Charities. It started out under the Kentucky Office for Refugees, but then in 2014 moved as its own standalone program with Catholic Charities and renamed Common Earth Gardens. Um, I love the name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a great name. It is. And Shared Abundance is yeah, our Yeah, it tagline. speaks to that shared abundance that yeah, we Yeah, and it's truly what ignore. we stand for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 So is this like an unusual thing for Catholic charities to be doing? I don't know that most people would think that Catholic charities has their hands in urban agriculture. I actually don't think we're the only Catholic Charities urban ag program in the country here in Louisville. I think we're pretty unique regionally cool. for Catholic Charities. But Catholic Charities, um, if you follow their value systems, we fall right in with food justice, equality, and equity yeah. across the board. Yeah. And, of course, there's nothing necessarily Catholic about the people you serve, right? <laughs> right? We serve people from around the world, every ethnicity, every religion, every language group you could imagine. Yeah. And that's one of the exciting things we're going to talk about today with the people who you serve. Yeah. Um, for those longtime listeners, you'll know Stephen Bartlett. He was one of the early participants helping lead the RAP program with the Kentucky Office of, for Refugees. And now it's, it's moved on. So this project exists in many places. There is no one common earth garden, right? It's why it's plural. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. We're currently involved with probably six community gardens, and we have the incubator farm program as well. So we cover almost 17 acres in Louisville, in and around where 
out in Georgetown, Indiana, and Goshen, Kentucky really? as well. Yeah, some of our farmers are driving a little bit. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> really cool. So we're, we're, we're all over and we're always looking to grow. And is that all land owned by Catholic Charities or are there, are there all kinds of partnerships going on here? All kinds of partnerships, all kinds. We have partnerships with several different local churches, the Presbyterians, oh, the Baptists, and then um, MSD is probably our largest land partner. Oh, we, okay. the, in the Incubator Farm and 7th Street Community Garden, which are the two largest land holdings, are MSD property. And then we also have some private individuals and then um, smaller agencies as well that provide hmm. us land. Are, are you looking for more land? We are always looking for more land. We currently have a wait list around the different gardens for, I mean, it's probably about 100 people. Wow. Some of them have been waiting for years. And some people uh -oh. are... It's breaking are, my heart with all this vacant land. You know? I know, right? <laughs> uh, access to land is, is at a premium. Sure. And we are looking for land most specifically where the farmers live because a lot of... Former refugees and immigrants tend to stay in the, the areas and neighborhoods that they were first resettled in. And so the South End, Butchell area, Shively area, mm. we have a whole lot of people we work with there. And so it's, it's hard when you're just looking in specific locations. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks depend on the bus or somebody else to drive them. So. Yeah. Oh, Shively, I believe there's a large vacant golf course down there, isn't there? Right? I heard about that, yeah. <laughs> Been covered on this program and others here on Forward Radio. Yeah, that whole debacle. I imagine with the typical Louisvillians thinking about gardening, right, they're thinking about, oh, I I'll, might grow something in my backyard, right? A lot of these refugees are living in places where they don't have a yard, or if there is one, it's controlled by somebody else, not them, right? And so that's why this access to land is so important, right? Correct. Yeah. Most of the people we work with live in large apartment complexes mm -hmm. with very little land access. And it is amazing what they can do on small parcels of land. Like most community gardens are about 30 by 30 foot plots. Mm -hmm. And most people will say that they can feed between five and 11 other people with the food wow. that they grow. It's very intensive gardening, often multi-layered gardening. They're using um, they're the space, using right? Every yeah. single inch, including yeah, horizontally, vertically. Trellising, it's, yeah, yeah. It's amazing oh. how productive people are. Yeah, and I think about like so many of our refugee, and we don't want to paint a too broad a brush and say all of them, but so many of them come from rural mm -hmm. backgrounds, right? And they they're farmers. They know how to grow things, and they're stuck in an apartment in Louisville, yes, with very limited transportation, as you say too. So. Mm -hmm. Having the, this land is so important. If someone knew of land that might work, like what are your minimum requirements or does it need to have water, I would imagine, or, or can you pretty much work with anything? We've been exploring this and our ask would be a half acre or more. Okay. Okay. Um, we do have some funding for a few new gardens to put in the water lines. These would be for larger gardens uh -huh. um, and that's very limited. So if there was access to water, that's a huge benefit. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a half acre. We've got a few people that we've started to work with that they're like, hey, I've never used my backyard. Really? Yes. That's and so cool. So we're like, well, hey, we know some people who live a half a mile from you yeah. who don't have a garden plot right now. And so um, we're in the process of just making those connections and then they're providing the water hose and 
Nice. Um, yeah, our approach is very creative, and we are adapting to the different situations of the different farmers and the different landholders. I should have mentioned at the top, if people want to sort of play along at home and learn a little bit more, they can find Common Earth Gardens on Instagram at Common Earth, and there'll be information, too, up there about the volunteer opportunities. And we'll put some links in the program notes, too, the podcast version of this that you can find at forwardradio.org to get more information and maybe get in touch with Jim. Jane or Amelia about this project. So how many farmers are you working with now? Right now we're with probably about 450 different gardeners and farmers throughout Louisville. Wow. That's over all of the sites. Any guess about like the number of languages spoken by these folks? Um, I think (laughs) about 14 was a recent count for translations. But when we're doing like our farmer's market, when we have it, which it just finished. So we won't have another one until probably next June. But we would request nine languages. And that was to meet the needs of the farmers plus the newly arrived refugees who were um, also on site at the market. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me about this market. I'm sorry I just missed it, but how successful was it it this year? It was very slow. Um, It was a brand new market. We were over on West Market Street, um, but we did accept SNAP. We had a grant for double dollars from CFA. Nice. We had three regular incubator farmers who came, and then um, Black Market joined us as well. We were there every Thursday from June through the end of September. Oh, wow. And like I said, it it was very slow, but it's our first year, so we're very hopeful that next year it's going to grow right quite a bit takes a little while to get people into the habit of new markets like that yeah yeah so for everybody listening just be on the lookout we had the coolest veggies yeah of any market i've ever been to (laughs) in my whole life yeah everything you could want from an american regular market your tomatoes and your potatoes and your onions and okra but we had bitter melon and water spinach and roselle and amaranth and wow. I'm just trying to think of all the crazy <laughs> lots fun of chilies. Lots of chilies. Oh yeah. All, all the different kinds. They would tell you how hot it was. They couldn't really tell you what the names were, but they could tell you how hot they this were. This is an eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick this one up with gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I love that. Oh wow, that's wonderful. So look for that market on West Market Street, you said? We, um, are you going to change location? We've got, we might have a new location next okay. year as our office is moving. Oh, yeah, um, so that's right. You might be neighbors of us here at Forward Radio down on Broadway. We might be neighbors. Yeah, yeah. But we are hoping to keep a presence in West Louisville. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Keep up with them on Instagram at Common Earth if you want to know where the farmer's market is next June. Put that in the back of your files <laughs> and wait for June to come. But, yeah, this is so cool. Increasing land access for refugees and growing food for families. I mean, I asked how many farmers you got but just the impact you must be having on terms of the number of people that are being fed give us a feel for the scale of i mean you said how many people can be fed on one little plot right it varies we've been told between five and eleven right one person when we asked he said i feed all of kentucky (laughs) (laughs) we know people who mail their crops to other states to family Mm -hmm. and other locations Mm -hmm. um, just to get those those culturally significant and important vegetables that they can't grow Maybe they're in Virginia, maybe they're in Pennsylvania or Michigan, and they don't have land access. So mm. that mchicha can get sent up there to them mm. or whatever the other vegetables are that they're wanting. Mm-hmm. 
So it's, it is significant. I can't give you an exact number because it is very much a guesstimate on the part of the farmers right. that we're asking. Right. But we can safely say over 800,000 pounds of food has been grown Holy on the 17 cow. acres. Wow. And then that's probably a low estimate because I think that came before we got up to 17. Unbelievable. That yeah. is wonderful. So these folks know how to farm. Mm-hmm. But do they know how to market their produce to sell to people? Like that seems like a whole different set of skills. (laughs) It is. It is. Some of the farmers we work with have been marketing for 10 plus years. Oh, really? So longer than we've had the incubator farm program. But we do have a full-time staff member, Amir Hussein, who's famous locally on the news. He's great. He's been in the business his whole life. His family has Bakar Family Farms. His job is to help people access markets. come up with new marketing options because not everybody goes to a farmer's market or sells at a farmer's market, but then just how to better reach other people Mm. and as well as just marketing in general. So banners and Facebook and how to use your phone to find new people. I think I need to come to that class. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great. Stephen Bartlett's also, you know, he helps a lot with that as well. Oh, that's awesome. I'm speaking today with a couple of folks from Common Earth Gardens, a program of Catholic Charities of Louisville. You can find them on Instagram at Common Earth. I'm talking with Jane Evans, Program Director, and Amelia Balin, who is Urban Agriculture Sustainability Coordinator. Amelia, tell us about this project that's going on with pollinators. Yes, we are getting really excited for these pollinator gardens. Yeah? It's going to be coming up next week, actually. We'll be doing our first site prep. Oh, nice. It's going to be at the Shawnee's People Garden with the Food Literacy Project. Yeah. Okay. So is this a place where refugees have been growing food, the Shawnee People's Garden? This one particularly is not going to be associated with the community gardens that we support, but it is a partnership with Food Literacy Project. Part of the grant that is supporting the pollinator gardens and tree installations, they wanted these gardens installed at urban agricultural sites. Mm -hmm. So this is an urban agricultural site, and it does serve uh, the Louisville area. So Food Literacy Project is just a great organization in itself. So trying to find sites, because we have to do 13, and we only support six in the incubator farm. So we are looking for other urban agricultural areas to plant. So that's why we're going to be there. But the Pollinator Garden Project is thanks to a grant we received from the USDA, Natural Resource Conservation Services. And that's actually the grant I'm working a lot with and why I have the role I have, which I love. Yeah. It's it's great. (laughs) Um, I'm learning a lot. And this pollinator project has been really exciting, just learning what are the components of a habitat. It's not just plant some flowers. Right, right. It's It's a little more complicated than that. (laughs) It is. Yeah, pollinators, we all know about bumblebees. It is not just bumblebees. Actually learned there's more than 4,000 bee species. Sure. And honeybees and bumblebees are just a fraction of that. But bees are very important Mm -hmm. as pollinators because they're constantly searching for nectar and Mm -hmm. pollen out of any other insect or animal. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to cater to the bees, but we also have the hummingbirds, beetles, even ants, bats. Wow. All the great Oh my gosh. Yes. Bats. I hadn't even thought about that. Of course, bats do do some pollination, right? Yes. Uh, We didn't talk about it, but some pollinator gardens do have bat Bat houses. Yeah, bat boxes. 
boxes. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be a thing. But so far, we're just focusing on the plant aspect. So, yes, part of this is because a lot of food requires a lot of uh, flowering foods require pollinators for cross-pollination and carry the pollen and i believe it's one third of the food we eat is um, dependent on these creatures yes that we need to care for and have some space for i mean we wouldn't have to do all this if we hadn't like paved everything and ripped out all the old habitat right like the bees were fine and then we came along and put in all our stuff and so if we're gonna do that right we need to carve out some space for them like i think of it as like way stations right like a like a gas station along the road that we need when we travel on the interstate right like well pollinators need that too uh and the more we can provide that those way stations the more healthy our gardens are going to be too Mm because the the insects can't simply survive on our, our small food gardens right and trees also play a role. You mentioned tree planting, and I know that a lot of pollinators rely on tree species, too. Is that part of the thinking? Yes. We have some red buds we're going to be planting. Nice. There's a lot of crossover. So we're doing the tree plantings, and we also are like installing a living fence at one of the community gardens and including pollinator-friendly trees and shrubs. Wow. So just multifunctional yeah. systems we're creating. But yeah, red buds are great. Elderberry, uh, that's more of a shrub, but those are great pollinator-friendly plants. And it's so cool. Even walking around where I live, I'm noticing a lot of households having pollinator gardens because I didn't realize it at first. You start getting the search image, right? Yes, and I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is exciting because it's like not just us adding to the gardens. It looks like a community effort, which we really do need because it isn't just our food. Like these plants, trees, they need to reproduce and a lot of them really do depend Mm -hmm. on these bugs. And Mm -hmm. like you said, habitat destruction is the primary cause of decline but also pesticide Pesticides, use. Pesticides, yeah. And part of that grant I mentioned earlier, it's not just planting pollinator gardens and trees. We're building habitat, but we're also going to implement conservation practices and techniques at the garden sites. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I actually was going to ask, like, are these practices that go on in common earth gardens, do, do most people tend to do organic agriculture or are they using chemicals? Most people are using organic practices. Um, On the incubator farm, as far as we know, everyone is. For the community gardens, we can't possibly govern what people are doing out there. We encourage organic, but we know it's not always the case. Yeah. Well, and I've always found that if you just invest in the health of the soil, you're not even going to need those silly chemicals anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as long Mm -hmm. as you're managing your soil well, your plants are going to be healthy, and they're not going to need extra fertilizers and if a bug comes along, they'll be able to sustain themselves against that onslaught. It's it's when we have these weak plants that are growing in like dead soil mm-hmm. that we really need all those extra chemicals. So I've found growing in Louisville, it's not hard at all to do organic. And I can imagine refugee growers don't have a lot of money to spend on those kinds of things anyway, right? So better to just manage the soil well. This is great. So give us a feel for the scale of these pollinator gardens that are going in. Are these pretty sizable things? Some of them, well, yes, some They're of them can planning. be. Okay. So, of course, we have a budget for each garden. Yeah. And when I'm going to the community gardens, I'm realizing, okay, there's plenty of space for a garden and getting, like, pretty mm. ambitious with it. One of the sites 
it's like 45 by 50 feet, Whoa. which is pretty large. And we'll see if we can make it that big. Uh-huh. We bought hundreds of plants, so okay. it could be possible because, of course, spacing between plants. So yeah. maybe we can fill it out. Yeah. But it can also be as small as like a 10 by 15 pollinator all, garden. All you need to do is plant a few elderberries. They're going to take over. I know in my <laughs> Phoenix Hill community garden, they just they're just really <laughs> taking over everything. <laughs> they love it. Uh, and yeah, I always see critters all over those they they're very pollinator friendly um mm-hmm. i'm wondering too about the design of the these gardens is it make more sense to make like a a big block of pollinator garden or to like spread the plants out through a larger garden or does it not matter for our gardens we're gonna just do one site okay but within that one site what i've learned is that it's a design like i'm learning like i was talking to jane i feel like a landscape architect right yeah. now <laughs> and i'm like this is a uh, not what i studied or you know experience in but i've been learning about it and it's been really cool but one part of the grant was funding for mulch for the pollinator gardens and i learned that mulch is not the best thing to have in, oh really yes because there's a large percentage of bees that burrow ground and nesting. ground nesting yeah. And a lot of insects don't migrate in mean, cold. They just yep. burrow and mm-hmm. hibernate. So in your pollinator garden, you're not just providing nectar. You're not providing just food source. You're also providing space for yeah. eggs to be laid and for overwintering is what they call it. Wow. So mulch, we can use that. We're going to use that for like the plants because they'll be young and we want them to stay warm during the winter. Uh-huh. But it's going uh, otherwise be bare ground. So certain techniques like that I'm learning. Huh. But yes, it's just going to be one site though um, at each garden. But we actually we did discuss at Incubator Farm mm-hmm. have one. So we have a tree orchard on one side of the garden, and then on the other side we're going to do the pollinator. So kind of have the bees going back and forth through the garden. I like so that, that that's a little bit more strategic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, neat. And are, you you mentioned red buds. Are you planting any fruit trees as part of this? Yes, we are. Ooh. That's been so exciting. We actually went to Brambleberry Farms oh, in Paoli. I've heard great things. I've never been, but yes. It's a beautiful farm. Yes. They use really cool practices. Yeah. But we tried a lot of persimmons. <gasps> yeah, more persimmons. <laughs> so we got persimmons. It and, is persimmon season, oh, so very yes. appropriate to be talking about that. They're so good. But we also have, we got elderberry. Of course, you can't eat them raw, by the way. <laughs> no. Don't do that. <laughs> you gotta process them. Makes you have to good process jam, them. though. There, yeah. yes, but yeah, persimmons, and so we wanted to stay more native, but we did get a couple fig trees because figs do well. They do, yeah. And they're actually one of the few trees that they just self-pollinate, which is nice. Oh, so you could just plant one, and huh. it's good. What are I can't think pawpaws, of? Oh, spice bush, pawpaws. Yes, and that's the native. I kind of think of it as like our tropical fruit it of is. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very rich and custardy. We don't have anything else like that in North America. It's, I believe it's the largest fruit in North mm-hmm. America. So, oh. yeah, yum. Cool. <laughs> yeah. More pawpaws. It's also pawpaw season. I've been eating. I just had some for breakfast. Yeah. Nice. Really good stuff. Yeah. This is exciting. Wow. So, uh, I want to let people know how they can get involved in this. So, you are looking for volunteers as well as possibly a group to adopt one of these pollinator gardens and i know that the next opportunity to volunteer will be coming up on monday october 17th at the shawnee people's garden uh from 
four to six. But then the next day on the 18th, you'll be out at the 7th Street Community Garden from, looks like from one to 530. Yes. So it's going to be the pollinator gardens we'll be installing, but also trees. Oh, good. Um, Okay. The native trees at 7th Street as well. So it's going to be a fun time. It's beautiful weather out and we'll have a great group of people, you know, just getting their hands dirty. And I know not everyone's a fan of that, but it's very nice experience, very meditative, but just relaxing. Absolutely. And there'll be opportunities all the way through the end of October at the 7th Street Community Garden at the Incubator Farm, which is where, remind me now? 3130 Miller's Lane. Oh, out on Miller's Lane. Okay. And then at the Southside Community Garden, which I don't know where that one is either. Southside. It's not Southside Drive behind Antioch Church. Okay, that makes sense. partnership with Antioch. Great. And that'll be on the 28th, again, from 1 to 530. And for... If people want more information and to sign up to volunteer, you can go to tinyurl.com slash we love pollinators. That's my favorite (laughs) URL right there. (laughs) And people should, you know, wear clothing they're ready to get dirty in, right? This isn't going to be a light work necessarily, but you need people to like remove sod and weeds and till the soil and plant these plants, right? What else are people going to be doing? Well, we'll have some volunteers that hopefully we'll have volunteers that will come in uh, water weekly. Oh, yeah. Because some of them, oh, so we'll be planting some plugs, but also some seeds. And, and it ain't plants. raining. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is not. We so need waterers. Weekly, like actually twice a week. Yeah. Um, so these things do need to be maintained and mm-hmm. yeah, the weeding and uh, making sure the watering there's a watering station at all the pollinator gardens too so making those sure those are filled as well yeah it's important but i imagine if you if you're like pollinator curious like i've always wanted to put some things for pollinators in my yard and you don't know much about it then come on out and volunteer because you'll get getting your hands right there on the plants right and (laughs) learning and what it what it should look like right Yes. <laughs> and learning, a, like, there's so many plants. Like, you have in your garden, you probably just plant for aesthetics, but it might be medicinal. It might be a pollinator-friendly plant. Yeah. So it's really cool just learning that. Multiple just, uses. Yes, multiple uses. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exciting, too. I, I need to learn a lot more about medicinal herbs and things like that. I, I, it's just a, just a wealth of knowledge out there that I... I still need to go to the internet if I'm ever curious about something, right? Uh, but just being able to identify them, like you said, getting that search image for them, I think that'll be a great benefit of coming out to help out with these gardens. So again, folks can go to tinyurl.com slash we love pollinators to learn more and see all the dates uh, and sign up for any of the just a couple hours of your time uh, to come on out. And if if folks are do have a group that might be interested in adopting, uh, what should they do? They should reach out to me. My email is a bylon b a y l o n at archlu a r c h l o u dot org. I'm sure Justin can put that in the show notes too. Yeah, we'll so. put that in the show notes for you for yeah. sure. And yeah. just give me a holler, and we'll get connected. Okay, yeah. so that would mean someone who's like got a group that could divvy up the tasks and get out there. Like you said, once, maybe twice a week, even to water, help weed out the other things that are going to pop up in those gardens for sure. Mm-hmm. What kind of, how long would I have to commit to doing this? Is it just the fall or do you really want like a one-year commitment? I'd say a one-year commitment mm-hmm. okay. would be beautiful. Yeah. But if someone can only help seasonally, you know, yeah. that is better than nothing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking today with two friends from the Common Earths Gardens Project at Catholic Charities of Louisville. Again, you can learn more about them on Instagram 
at Common Earth. I've got uh, Amelia Balon, the Urban Agriculture Sustainability Coordinator from the project, and Jane Evans, who's Program Director at Catholic Charities. So I think I understand the role of the project in helping people who already know how to farm, Mm -hmm. but surely they must have some questions come up. Like maybe they don't know about Kentucky weather or crops that work here or bugs or things like that. So is there an effort to do capacity building as well as land access? Yes, we do have workshops throughout the year at all the different gardens. And then um, that's a major part of our winter farm business training program. Because as you were saying, the people who are coming here know how to farm. They're professionals. They've been doing it for generations. Kentucky climate is a little trickier. So the bugs, the weather, the frost, that's where we we come in and we we work with them in partnership with the Extension Office, um, the Soil and Water Conservation District, to do most of the technical assistance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bring in the pros. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then that also introduces them to other community partners, which, you know, is empowering and provides more independence so that they're not reliant on us. Yeah. And are CSAs part of the thinking too, or is it just farmers markets? In terms of market, I know a lot of this is growing for their own consumption, mm-hmm. but in terms of marketing their their products, are CSAs part of the deal? They have been in the past. They were not this year. Um, they might again in the future. Uh, we, we, we bounce that idea back and forth. Mm. It's just what the farmers want. Yeah. Um, a lot of the farmers have alternative markets like home sales or they'll go to restaurants directly or oh, really? to like some of the Asian grocery stores and sell wow. their chilies or All right, you gotta, yeah, some where can I go to get some of this strange local produce without going to the market that's just ended? Do you know any of these restaurants or stores? N- not offhand, no, oh, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but there are some neat things. I, I want to spend a little more time talking about these kinds of native foods uh, and cultural traditions that mm-hmm. you will see in common earth gardens you might not see anywhere else in town. There's one I'd like to bring up, yeah. which I just learned. So so we are working with the Bellarmine students. They have a project with us. So we give them tours around the garden and we run into farmers and we talk and just like, oh, what is this? Yeah. And one of the gardeners had a lot of marigold oh. flowers and started noticing that in a lot of the gardens. I'm like, why this flower specifically? And found out that there's a Nepali festival Coming up, actually, end of October, it's like a brother-sister's festival. It's really cute because I was talking to one of the gardeners and their brother from Virginia is coming in town that she hasn't seen in a while for the festival. And they make necklaces out of the flowers and the daughter or the daughter's sisters wear them. So really cool. That was something I've learned. And also... It's funny because there's like nose piercings that are really popular. You see them all people, but apparently a bulaki is something that is one of the nose piercings, like what a bull would wear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had one of the farmers kept saying like bulaki and pointing to it. And we're like, <laughs> oh, wow, that's okay. So now we know where this came from. <laughs> Makes sense. But yeah, the marigold's really cool. And bitter melon, bitter gourd goes by either or um, that Jane mentioned earlier. That is, I would say, a little different than what people have tried. It is very bitter. Very bitter, yeah. It's like a cucumber, like a spiky-looking cucumber. And it actually grows on a vine, and you just see it hanging. Uh Uh-huh. Really cool, and it has crazy medicinal properties. If you have high blood sugar, if you have high blood pressure, 
you can eat like let's just say a half of a bitter gourd once a week or twice a week and it will maintain wow like it's it's crazy. Steven actually did like a little experiment with himself. Yes. <laughs> he's a, he's a big evangelist for the bitter melon. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's cool. Cause you get to see it made in different ways. Yeah. Um, how do you prepare it? Or do you, you don't eat it raw. Do you? Well, we did. Um, oh, we, really? We this... tried it a few times. Yeah. Yes. Most people saute it. Okay. Um, they'll have different mixes that they'll yeah. put it in, but maybe a stir fry or saute. Yeah. I haven't found a way that I like it yet, so I haven't I haven't adapted to it. I haven't adapted it's to it yet. I'm not going to give taste. up. It is definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. <laughs> there are ways. There, we had a Nepali dinner. Uh, one of the gardeners cooked for us, and what she did was fried it, like cut it mm. thinly, fried it. Tastes like a lot of butter was also on it, which was really good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But there's that in. Wow. Yeah, like Jane said, stir fry. So it's very versatile. Uh huh. It's definitely worth trying. I tell people that. Wow. And how about these super hot peppers? Do they eat those just for flavor, or are they also medicinal? <laughs> I mean, every pepper is a little medicinal, right? Oh, really? That's what I've heard. <laughs> okay. Um, Cleanse you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Opens up all your pores. It does. Yes. Yeah. It does. It um, makes it feel not so hot outside all of a sudden because you're yeah. sweating. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there, I think just people are used to eating the hot foods. Yeah. I myself, again, I, like, I don't like very spicy, so I skip the very hot chilies <laughs> but people love them yeah um, and they're and they're hard to find in the stores around here so very you hard grow them to yourself. find in the stores yeah yeah and I, um, people pickle them and they oh yeah yeah there's a lot of different things that they're doing they dry them mm-hmm. a lot of different things they're doing mm-hmm. with those we see the three sisters plantings a lot oh good even at the incubator farm mm-hmm. um, it's just spread throughout I'm not sure who picked it up where and brought it where first, but, you know, it's Somali farmers are doing it. Really? We've got, yeah, people from Latin America, and we don't have any Latin Americans in the incubator farm, but we do in the community gardens. So just all of these different practices we're seeing all around these different gardens. Like, you can go to 7th Street Garden, and you'll see someone from Somalia growing something that was originated in South America or, you know, Nepali people are growing African foods and, Mm. and, and then you've got us born folks who are now on the bitter melon diet (laughs) to maintain (laughs) their blood sugar. Just like the cultural exchanges that are happening are amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I was, I was starting to wonder about opportunities for people who aren't in the program to learn from it and be exposed to these different foods foods and cultures and also maybe to learn from these pollinator gardens is there a way in for for outsiders are there tours or workshops or uh, open houses or anything like that we are always up for a tour people love going to seventh street garden people love seeing the incubator farm and as long as we can manage it in our schedules we would love to meet you out there show you around tell you about the importance of it And also for workshops, um, Amelia is in the process of creating a curriculum that we're going to be offering to all the different community gardens, as well as other community groups. There's a lot of different groups around the city that don't necessarily work in the gardens that we're in, Mm -hmm. but want to learn more 
about different conservation practices. And so she's going to be working very closely with these groups to put on these workshops. And we are not closing our doors. And so if other people want to know or want to learn, they are welcome to join. Oh, great. Are people going to be able to find out about that on Instagram? Yes. You think? At Common Earth? Okay. Yeah. Cool. And okay. we do have Facebook as well. You just have to search for Common Earth Gardens okay. and find our logo. Is nice. our cover. Yeah. Photos. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And now you mentioned cooking. I wondered if that's part of the Common Earth Garden and all. Is there any common meals shared ever? I think there's always the goal, but yeah. then schedules yeah. are hard. Because um, <laughs> most of the farmers also have full-time jobs. Sure. So second shift jobs, third shift jobs, yeah. weekend jobs. We had a harvest party a oh, few years cool. ago, and we're hoping to have one this year as well. And we're going to do a groundbreaking party next year for St. Ignatius Garden because it's in this massive expansion project right now. And so we're going to do, we'll have a celebration there where we'll, oh, cool. we'll make it a festival. And I mean, of course, everything we do is about food. So, of course, <laughs> we're going to have food. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. I want to learn, too, about the sister program, Common Table, mm-hmm. right? And, and how the two support each other. Tell me more about Common Table. So Common Table is a social enterprise program of Catholic Charities. It's an eight-week culinary arts training program that is free tuition for anybody who would like to participate in it. You learn a lot of the hard skills for working in a kitchen, knife skills, cooking skills, but then also soft skills, resume building, Mm. time management, stress management. It's a really, really cool program. And they work with a lot of the larger hotels and restaurants in the city to help people become employed after they complete it. Once they complete it, they also get their, it's the Louisville Metro Food Service Manager Certification. Okay. So they'll walk out with that and then some credits with JCTC as well. Oh, wow. Super great. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing. In eight weeks. In eight weeks. That's amazing. Yes. It's a really cool program. We are working on overlapping a little bit more, but it's it's been logistically difficult. Yeah. We've always had the dream of their cooking with the food that right, the farmers are right. growing, but just getting it lined up has mm-hmm. been difficult. What we started doing this summer, which has been amazing and fun, and I'm looking forward to more of this, is cooking demonstrations. Oh, wow. So Common Table is at the Dare to Care facility in Parkland. It's this beautiful building, and they have this kitchen that's a classroom as well. And so we had a Common Table graduate work with an incubator farmer to cook a dish that comes from the incubator farmer's country of origin and also with the food that they grew. Nice. And so, yeah, they just would have this two-way conversation while we had the video one of the videos is available now for view it's on the catholic charities website the other two are at the end stages of their editing and they'll be up so we've got one amazing dish from somalia and then two different burmese dishes that are just tasty and wonderful yeah i think they were all vegetarian Mm -hmm. too oh nice yeah oh i want to learn how to make those that sounds great well speaking of vegetarian we've been living in the world of vegetables here i'm wondering Mm -hmm. too those most of these refugees are probably not all 100 percent vegetarian so is there any opportunity for them to grow animals or eggs or things like that sure yeah on community gardens the rules actually changed last year we do not these are these are extension gardens we're not taking this on on the the smaller gardens that we manage alone or with americana but people can have chickens on community gardens now oh wow and we do have one farmer in the program who has sheep and chickens and bees he he owns his own property 
And so he's doing the whole yeah. thing. And the closer we work with some of these longer term farmers, we're understanding their dreams and we're also making connections with large landholders outside of Louisville. So there's some farmers who've been reaching out from two hours away who are like, I have 40 acres. Wow. And so if we can just help make that connection, which these are big dreams, this is yeah, a big dream, yeah, but, yeah. but the doors are opening for this to happen. Yeah. There are farmers who want to do that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And, and I'm also thinking about with the pollinator gardens, is there an opportunity for beekeeping in the gardens themselves? Is that part of the thinking at all? Like maybe there, one day we'll have bees here too? There are bees in most of the gardens. So private beekeepers, oh, okay. yeah, they use the space at the incubator farm. There's probably 10 hives oh, nice. right now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh, so many ways to do animal husbandry, small and large, yeah. <laughs> even right here in town and integrate it into the whole system. Yeah. Well, this has been inspiring and exciting. I hope people are eager to get their hands dirty with you all and help out with installation and then maintenance of these pollinator gardens at uh, community gardens around town. Again, the first opportunity for you all coming up is Monday, October 17th from 4 to 6 out at the Shawnee People's Garden. And then on the 18th at the 7th Street Community Garden, which is massive. If you've never been, it's quite impressive. From 1 to 5.30, they need volunteers. And you can learn more about that and sign up at tinyurl.com slash we love pollinators. We are almost out of time. Anything else we missed that you guys want to make sure the listeners know about before we go? If you know of any land, let <laughs> us know. <laughs> Keep and I, on the lookout, yeah. Yes, yes, please. And also, we we will, after we finish with the pollinator gardens this fall, we will be starting back up in the spring, so there will be more opportunities. But throughout the winter, if there are groups of people who want to volunteer, we're going to be doing shed buildings. There are other projects that we're, we're working on as okay. well. So. so keep an eye out at Instagram at Common Earth, or you can find them on Facebook, too. And again, we'll put links to all this in the show notes on the podcast version of the program, which you can find at forwardradio.org. Thank you both so much for taking the time. This has been so uplifting. I love this project so much, and I wish you all the best with these pollinator gardens. Yeah, thank you. Thank Thanks, you for having Justin. us. Thank this you. is fun. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, I've got your community action calendar. There's other things you can do to get engaged in sustainability this week, too. So stay tuned, my friends. here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. I hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and are ready to take action for sustainability this week. There's so much going on. My goodness. Well, as you've heard on this station, the deadline to register to vote in the general election that comes up on November 8th is this Tuesday, October 11th. If you have never registered to vote or will turn 18 by election day or have become a U.S. citizen or have simply moved or changed your name, you will need to register to vote by 4 p.m. on Tuesday, October 11th. 
how to do it, well, go to GoVoteKY.com for all the information about how to vote, where to vote, how to register, and to access a sample ballot for your precinct. With two constitutional amendments, uh, U.S. and Kentucky congressional seats, nine candidates for Louisville mayor, and every single judge on the ballot, you will most definitely want to do some research before you show up at the polls. So you can find your sample ballot at GoVoteKY.com and be sure you're registered to vote by Tuesday at 4. Also, Tuesday, October 11th at 8 p.m., it's the final Streets for People Hang session of 2022, and it's taking place at Great Flood Brewing at 2120 Bargetown Road. In every neighborhood across the city, residents are trying to figure out how to slow cars down on residential streets and make it feel a little safer, a little bit easier to get around on foot or bicycle. With that in mind, we'll spend our last hang session of the year learning about and celebrating some of the neighborhood traffic calming efforts in the greater Highlands area. You know, you got residents there in Tyler Park pushing for better connectivity to the park at Edenside Avenue. Douglas residents have plans to build better walking paths to Cherokee Park, Cherokee Triangle, Original Highlands, Belknap. Every neighborhood is working on something. And of course, we're continuing to push for a traffic calming, improved walkability solution for Norris Place and Douglas Boulevard. You can learn more at twitter.com slash streets, the number four peeps, or just coming out on Tuesday at 8 p.m. at Great Flood Brewing on Bardstown Road. Now, I've also let you know that this is Louisville's very first Tree Week, taking place through October 16th. It's based on the annual event in Lexington and is an effort to engage our community in celebrating and raising awareness of the value of our community forest. It's a whole week of activities across Louisville Metro, including tree planting, mulching and pruning, tree tours and walks, outdoor activities, online workshops, all kinds of great stuff I'm going to tell you about, but you can get all the details and learn more at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Lou Tree Week 2022, B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-O-U Tree Week 2022. And here is what's on store for Tree Week this week. Well, coming up on uh, Tuesday, let's kick it off on October 11th. Where Seneca Park is having a Woodlands Restoration event from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Seneca Park Basketball Court parking lot there on Pee Wee Reese Road with Olmstead Parks Conservancy learning about and assisting with ecological restoration of the urban woodlands there. Trained park stewards will lead you in removal of invasive species that compete with native trees and can reduce biodiversity. Expect uneven terrain and rugged working conditions and dress appropriately. That is Tuesday, 9 to 11 at the Seneca Park Basketball Court parking lots where they'll meet. There's also a tree rescue event taking place at the Passionist Earth and Spirits Center on Tuesday at 10 a.m. to noon. They'll be meeting in the barn-shaped building behind the large building there at 1924 Newburgh Road. You can join the Passionist Earth and Spirits Center to rehome rescued trees. Bring your own that you've dug up at home or help plant trees that other people have donated. Attendees can also help remove invasive species in the woods where these rescued trees will be planted. On uh, That is at 10 a.m. on Tuesday at the Earth and Spirit Center. Now, also on Tuesday in the evening at 6 p.m. at Udell Gardens in Crestwood, it's a Shade Tree Selections for a Changing Climate. Join Udell Gardens Executive Director Paul Capiello for a fun and engaging walk and talk among Udell's extensive tree collections and a discussion of the best trees to choose to deal with the increasing drought, storm, and other challenging climate conditions. Pre-registration is required, so go to udellgardens.org. 
www.yewdell.org. That's Y-E-W-D-E-L-L-Gardens.org for more information about the 6 p.m. Tuesday walk. Also on Tuesday at 7 p.m., it's Tree Week Trivia at Atrium Brewing there at the taproom at 1154 Logan Street. Branch on out to Atrium Brewing's Logan Street taproom on Tuesday, 7 to 9 p.m. to test your knowledge of trees and other nature-related questions. It is hosted by Louisville Trivia and is free to play, so come on out. Now, Wednesday, October 12th, uh, Cave Hills offering yoga on the lawn at 845 on Wednesday at the Broadway Lawn there at Cave Hill Cemetery, 701 Baxter Avenue. Free yoga class under the trees. Uh, it's also story time at various library branches uh, at 10 a.m. at Main Library, 10.15 a.m. at St. Matthew's, and at Iroquois Library, 11.15 at Iroquois Library, and St. Matthew's as well. It'll be uh, all about stories about trees. Don't miss it if you got kids. Also on Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon, out at Farnsley Middle School, that's at 3400 Lee's Lane. It's a mulching of the Cane Run Park Complex. You can join Trees Louisville to spruce up trees they've planted in the Cane Run Park Complex, which includes Cane Run Park, Farnsley Middle, Lee's Lane Neighborhood Place, and Wellington Elementary. It's a family-friendly event, so no experience is required, and you'll be trained in proper mulching techniques. That is 10 a.m. on Wednesday out at Farnsley Middle School. Now, at 3 p.m. on Wednesday the 12th, there's a tree giveaway at the Louisville Nature Center uh, that is on Illinois Avenue by the zoo. With support from Louisville Metro Urban Forestry, the Nature Center is going to give away 500 trees, native trees, in five-gallon buckets to Jefferson County residents. Trees will be given away on a first-come, first-served basis. No trees can be reserved ahead, and a maximum of three trees can be taken per address. Proof of Jefferson County address is required. It's three. 3 to 6 p.m. on Wednesday at the Nature Center. You can choose from Bitternut Hickory, Swamp White Oak, River Birch, American Hornbeam, Serviceberry, and Redbud. Also on Wednesday the 12th at 6 p.m. online, it's a conversation, Why Trees Matter to All of Us, an online community conversation sponsored by Greenheart Louisville uh, with David Femister, a Kentucky State Director for the Nature Conservancy, discussing why trees matter to all of us and answering your questions. It's online. You can, again, find the link to register along with all the information about Tree Week at bit.ly slash L-O-U Tree Week 2022. Uh, there will also be on Wednesday at 6.30, Grounded Yoga Flow in the Park, hosted by Sweat Society at Central Park at 6.30, a tree-inspired 60-minute yoga fl- flow class that is free. On Thursday the 13th, Bellarmine is hosting a tree mulching event from 1 to 4 out at the Bellarmine Farm there at 2120 Newburgh Road. They're looking for volunteers. Uh, on Thursday from 4 to 5 at George Rogers Clark Park Lodge, you know, out, out on Thruston Avenue, there's a quality family craft and story time with Louisville Parks and Rec for story time and crafts during tree week. Uh, then at the Waterfront Botanical Garden, there'll be a highlights walk and talk on Thursday from 515 to 615 at Waterfront Botanical Gardens there at Frankfurt Avenue. Uh, and River Road, basically. And also on Thursday at 6 o'clock, the Northeast Regional Library is hosting New Elms for American Cities and How to Train Them for a Productive Future, presented by Trees Louisville and the Louisville Free Public Library. Join us in welcoming guest speaker Chris 
Batchel, Vice President of Collections and Facilities for the Morton Arboretum to the Northeast Regional Library at 6 o'clock on Thursday. Wow, so much going on during Tree Week. Also at 6 p.m. on Thursday online, it's Keep Louisville Leafy, the Impact of Trees and Vegetation on Air Quality, hosted by Louisville Metro Air Pollution Control District. Uh, and Louisville Tree Week Paint and Sip is taking place on Thursday at Wet Your Palette Art Studio, 1415 Evergreen Road from 6 to 9 p.m. Oh, that's it for Thursday. On Friday, October 14th, there's a plant sale at Bernheim Arboretum from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. with a live tree planting demo at 1 p.m. There'll also be a tree pruning expo out at Youth Build. Uh, that's at 800 South Preston Street from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. Team of young people fanning out on Preston Street from Broadway to East Breckenridge and all side streets to prune street trees for sidewalk clearance and to clean out street tree wells. That's an awesome project from 9.30 to 11 on Friday. Friday. Simmons College is also hosting a mulching event 10 a.m. to noon at Simmons College of Kentucky, 1018 South 7th Street. Meet at the corner of 7th and Kentucky to help them mulch from 10 to noon on Friday. Uh, and then there'll be a guided hike at Creasy Mayhem Nature Preserve on Friday from 6 to 8. That's out at 12501 Harmony Landing Road in Goshen. A hike through the preserve. Learning more about trees led by Jacob Critter with ID tips. On Friday, October 14th, we at University of Louisville are hosting a Garden Commons Tree Week workshop all about tree rings at 1 p.m. Uh, at the University of Louisville Garden Commons at the southwest corner of Strickler Hall, right next to the Speed Art Museum parking garage. Dr. Megan Rockner of UofL's Department of Geography and Environmental Sciences will discuss tree ring science or dendrochronology and its various applications to understand climate, environment, and human environment interactions. It's also going to include a hands-on demonstration of tree coring for sample collection, so don't miss it 1 o'clock on Friday. Friday. Also on Friday the 14th at 7 p.m., it's Batty About Bats at Second Chances Wildlife Center out on out in Mount Washington at 487 Gentry Lane. You can visit Second Chances Wildlife Center for a special Halloween edition of their Batty About Bats educational program. On Saturday the 15th, there's a guided hike again at Creasy Mayhem Nature Preserve in Goshen at 11 a.m. Udell is having a migratory birds and trees that support them event on Saturday from 1 to 2 out in uh, Crestwood. Uh, they'll be celebrating Tree Week at Logan Street Market on Saturday from 1 to 5. Uh, and uh, the, there'll be uh, family tree-themed story time, crafting with natural materials, and an unstructured outdoor free play zone for the kids. Don't miss that. And Tree is going to have a photosynthesis booth to have your picture taken and participate in the community-wide planting day after party. Yes, that community-wide planting is in Smoketown on Saturday from 12.30 to 3. Everybody's going to meet up at 12.30 at Mazique Middle School, 828 South Jackson Street to help plant 200 trees in the Smoketown neighborhood. They'll be planted on public, private, and residential property. Community-wide planting day is a partnership between Louisville Metro Urban Forestry, Trees Louisville, and Louisville Grows. No planting experience is necessary. They would like you to register, uh, and that's Saturday, 1230 to 3. Also Saturday from 2 to 8 out at the Horing Reservation of the Jefferson Memorial Forest, there'll be Wilderness Louisville's Forest Adventure Campout from 2 to 8 on Saturday. Free. Uh, there'll be a fee for the camping. It's going to be a good time. Also Saturday, October 
October 15th, 5 to 7 p.m. It's a sunset hike at the Falls of the Ohio State Park over in Clarksville, Indiana. You won't want to miss it. So many great events. Again, you can learn more about all of them at bit.ly slash LOU Tree Week 2022. But that is not all that's going on this week and next weekend. On Saturday, October 15th, MSD is hosting a Karen Lynch Park cleanup from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. out at Karen Lynch Park there, 1709 Story Avenue. It's a mini Ohio River sweep event, and volunteers can help make a difference. Join us at Karen Lynch Park to clean up Beargrass Creek as we work together to achieve safe, clean waterways for our community. You'll get a free T-shirt, and supplies for the cleanup will be provided. So see you out there Saturday at 8 a.m. at Karen Lynch Park on Story Avenue. Uh, Also, as you heard, uh, there is a... Uh, well, first of all, there on Saturday the 15th at 9 a.m., volunteers are needed for community cleanups in both the California and Park Hill neighborhoods. Uh, here's where they'll be meeting up at 9 a.m. on Saturday at 15th and Broadway. They will meet and do a, a sweep for litter for, uh, to 15th and Hill. Uh, they'll also be meeting up at 15th and Hill and going to 22nd and Hill. And they'll be meeting up another group at 22nd and Hill, going all the way to 22nd and Broadway. It's hosted by Louisville Metro Council Districts 4 and 6 at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Also this coming weekend, it's Take Root, the Kentucky Health Justice Network's annual conference on the theme of intersections of reproductive justice in red states. It's Saturday and Sunday, the October 15th and 16th online. You can register now at takerootrj.org. That's for reproductive justice, takerootrj.org. In 2022, Take Root's goals are not only to increase student and grassroots focus, but to truly become an intersectional space for mutually beneficial intergenerational learning this year we're thrilled to announce dorothy roberts as the 2022 take root keynote speaker on the topic the urgency of reproductive justice there'll also be an opening plenary on mainstreaming the anti-abortion fringe uh, a closing plenary on saturday about medication abortion in the post row landscape with plan c and a sunday closing plenary on abortion clinic practice uh, post row additional sessions include reproductive justice and policy and Kentucky, how anti-abortion laws are affecting physicians across the country, reproductive justice and youth organizing on and off college campuses, silencing of marginalized voices in digital reproductive justice spaces, a medical history of abortion, and we testify our abortion stories. And there'll be additional workshops on writing the feminist future you want to see, confronting systems of oppression in teaching and learning, pregnancy and the criminal legal system, cesarean and VBAC in post-row world and queer family formation sounds amazing it's saturday and sunday the 15th and 16th online register now and learn more at takerootrj.org and as you heard volunteers are needed for the common earth gardens to plant a pollinator friendly garden coming up on monday october 17th from 4 to 6 p.m Bring water, uh, wear shoes and clothes that you don't mind getting dirty uh, to help sod and weed removal, tilling soil, creating walking paths, laying down landscaping fabric, scattering and planting seeds, flower plugs and shrubs, mulching and watering. It's all coming up on Monday the 17th, 4 to 6, out at Shawnee's People Garden. And that's it. That's all we have time for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Be well.